Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle, from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, a.k.a. 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Over the Monster podcast. We are back for another week after taking last week off uh, for a little precautionary reasons. Uh, yours truly, Matt Collins, was getting jabbed up with some Moderna. Um, I actually didn't end up having any side effects the next day, so the day off wasn't really that necessary. But we'll take it. But we are back this week. And as always, I am joined by Brian Joyner. Brian, are you 
you're J and J. You're not even one of the two big ones, right? Yeah. First of all, how dare you? <laughs> you're like the yeah, you're the third forgotten kid. Well, I and the reason I got J and J is I went uh on the overnight shift in Manhattan where they decided ahead of time and that this makes sense, I think. If you go it's like I went at 11 p.m., but people, you know, ran 24 hours. And their thinking was, if you go at 3 in the morning, we're not asking you to come back. And you know what? pretty good point. That makes sense to me. So, yeah, so I didn't argue. I had no problems or anything. I was fine. That's happy to hear that. Um, Yeah, I had to go at 7 o'clock in the morning to Walmart, which was a sacrifice I was willing to make, obviously, but not not thrilled about a 7 o'clock in the morning um appointment for anything but surprisingly i don't think anybody really cares about my vaccine experience so i suppose we can talk about the red sox um we should say off the bat that we are recording this at seven o'clock on tuesday which means that the first game against the Mets is happening just starting as we are speaking so Probably not going to say anything about this game unless something crazy happens um, in the first couple of innings, but just as a point of reference, uh, we are going to start today's show by talking about somebody who is not in the lineup for this game, at least not to start. Uh, That is Brian's boy, Franchi Cordero. Um, While things have generally been pretty positive for the Red Sox, there have been some weak points here and there, and... In terms of fan frustration, I think Cordero is one of the two guys getting the bulk of that ire. Cordero is hitting 200, 265, 244. Uh, he is striking out 47% of the time. He is a 46 WRC+, plus, which means he's been 50, 54% worse uh, than the league average hitter. Um, we're talking about 49 plate appearances, but Cordero has been uh, pretty brutal at the bottom of this lineup um so i think he's the guy that people are first at least on the position player side people are first starting to worry about and starting to think about is this a long-term concern we're about a month into the season so uh, we'll start right there at the top um put on a scale one to ten how concerned are you a resident franchi stan about franchi cordero right now Obviously, first of all, I have to correct some misperceptions here. I am not. Don't a say Franchi you're not. A... Eh. I'm not. I'm not a Franchi stan. Um, I'm a Franchi enthusiast. I am not saying what he has done makes him good. I am saying I really would like him to be good. And so, what has happened so far has not been out of line with. Uh pretty fairly high percentile uh, projection, albeit on the lower end, um, than you would have gotten at the beginning of the year. So am I concerned? I mean, it's hard for me to be concerned about someone in his position with uh, at least some depth behind him, because... If he hits like this, then Michael Chavis or it seems like it would be Michael Chavis, but Michael Chavis would be um, no worse, I think. 
But again, uh, I mean, not again for the first time. Look, Franchi Cordero is not David Ortiz, but David Ortiz had three really bad months when he came to the Red Sox. Um, so Franchi Cordero is going to be the next icon of the Red Sox uh, for the next like that's what 15 saying. years. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's that's a reasonable uh, reasonable expectation. Um, no, I mean, I think I think I'm pretty concerned about Cordero, but I think I was pretty concerned about Cordero before the season even started. Um, I will say that he is the kind of guy that can't really afford to be doing this. I mean, there's just no there's just no margin for error with Cordero. Not only because he's such like an all or nothing kind of hitter with his swing and miss. And I think we're probably seeing the high end of that swing and miss right now, but, um, or at least we better hope we are 47%. Uh, but he also just, I mean, Cora refuses to let him hit against a lefty. Um, he has been pinch hit for in like the fifth inning, uh, with a lefty reliever coming in. So he really needs to do well in the chances he's getting. And he's obviously not. And, um, we're going to get to it in a minute, but there's somebody kind of breathing down his neck that kind of needs a shot soon. And it just seems like Cordero's running out of time. And I mean, he's not this bad just in that he doesn't have a home run yet. And there's just no way French Cordero's not going to run into a home run now and again. But um, I think he's, he's the only guy on this roster that I look at right now. And I say, it might be time for a switch and it might be time to get him off the roster. So um, part of this is definitely the fact that I wasn't super high on him coming into the year. And this is sort of the time of year where um, you just kind of roll with your confirmation bias. And if something you thought was going to happen is happening, you can just call yourself right. If something uh, you didn't think was going to happen is happening, you can just say it's a small sample size. But um, as far as, as far as Cordero goes, he's not this bad, but I'm kind of concerned. He's not very good. Um, well, I mean, to you, to, in, to your credit, the, there's always a chance he just becomes this bad and is this bad for the rest of his career because it's very hard to play Major League Baseball, and it happens to some people. You think they're going to get better, and then they don't, and they, in fact, get worse. It's a true of the guy he was he was traded for. Uh, the stylistically, as we've talked about, it's almost exactly different, but in terms of uh, seeing players be unable to do even modest things they did before, it, it happens. So I, I don't think, you know, after, you know, April's almost over and you can really start taking stock of things. And I, I agree with you that Franchi's leash has got to be pretty short right now. I mean, to be honest, I was kind of expecting him to get sent down today. Um, so another part of this whole situation is that Danny Santana, um, former Ranger super utility guy, signed a minor league deal with the Red Sox um, prior to the season during spring training. Um, he has an opt-out at the end of the month, so I kind of thought he would be up today, especially since they're playing in a National League park. Um, that versatility would be helpful um i guess the thing with santana that is still a little unclear is that there is some i mean he had that foot infection 
leading up to the year, and I know there's some sort of health clause in his opt-out. I don't know exactly how it plays, but Danny Santana is a guy who has also not been very good uh, for his major league career, except for one bizarrely amazing season uh, with Texas that was in 2019. He had a 111 WRC plus while playing all over the field, hit 28 home runs in 130 games. Um, but other than that, he's basically been other than 2019 going back to 26 2015 his best wrc plus was 60 so i mean he's just been a total scrub except for one really good year um but it seems like he's the guy to come up if they're gonna send down cordero at any time at any point in the next week or so um do you prefer santana even with that rough track record um maybe giving a little more versatility or do you prefer that upside and uh, power potential of franchi cordero if you well, prefer anybody, matter. I mean, it, do, well, it doesn't it doesn't matter what I prefer, but I would imagine that Chaim Bloom prefers Danny Santana, and the fact that they can finish this series with the Mets before the month is out, um, just from what you said, adds up into my head that uh, Santana is still potentially on track to come up. Uh, and look, one thing I was thinking about today uh, before even thinking about this podcast was that we say it's easy to send person Y down and person X up and trade for person Z. Um, the people who are doing these things want to treat people with like respect and um, most of them. Something yeah, mo really mo that's that's true. Um, but I do think that if someone like Franchi gets a longer leash than, and look, it's still maybe a quick trigger, but it's a quick trigger that's warranted. The season, albeit long, is it's happening. You know, it's it's going on right now. You gotta you gotta adapt to it. Um, they want to do right by their players. I think to some degree. So it's possible this is Franchi's last stand. Um, and it's also possible that it doesn't even matter what he does. Um, and, you know, because I, what could he, unless he hits six home runs in Queens, what is it going to matter, you know? Well, the, the problem with that is that he's not playing tonight. And then tomorrow, uh, he if he does play, it's against Jacob DeGrom. So, I mean, that's kind of just setting himself up for failure. Um which I mean, all of that kind of leads me. To he makes that. every pitcher he plays he faces Jacob Degrom. So I can't yeah. Well, imagine. imagine what Jacob Degrom is going to do. Jacob Degrom is going to find a way to strike him out twice in one plate appearance. Um, this is pretty much the opposite of JD Martinez winning two silver sluggers in one year. Um, but I mean, I think the fact that Santana is not up right now, kind of the only reason I can think of it is that. Either they don't think he's going to opt out or the health issues aren't totally figured out and um, that opt-out might get pushed back. Um, it just doesn't... If you're thinking about calling Santana before the end of the month, I don't know why you wouldn't do it in a National League park when you're facing a lefty that Cordero's not going to hit against and then you're facing Jacob DeGrom, who nobody's going to hit against. Um, it just seems like you would go for the versatility. So it's kind of a weird situation, but I think um, I do think you're right about what you were saying in terms of treating 
guys with respect and sort of keeping that human aspect in mind. And I think that's something I was thinking about too. And it's a fine line for teams to walk in these situations. And I mean, we don't really know what Cordero's personality is like, and that's sort of the biggest factor here, but just in general, I'm kind of curious how you think about this. Cause I always go back and forth. I don't know what's more valuable. Is it going down and getting, at bats in Worcester and hopefully having some success and building that confidence back up, or is it staying on the bench and um, maybe if you do need, even if you want to call up Santana, you can keep Cordero and send down like Josh Taylor and get back to a normal size pitching staff um, and maybe keep some of that confidence in Cordero and at least being able to hang out in the major league clubhouse and get some pinch hitting experience. I mean, I don't know if you have any sort of thoughts or philosophy on that line that you have to walk. And if you think there is real value in somebody like Cordero getting those at bats in Worcester, I, I, what I'm about to say, I actually believe, and I truly believe it. I just thought of it, but I really believe he should go to South Korea and be a god. I mean, that would be um, the Eric Thames sort of yeah, trajectory, and then, and then yeah, come back and, to the majors in like four years. Well, I was gonna say come back, but I don't know if he could. That's why I just said go there. I don't know if he'd be good enough to come. Like the Eric Dames thing is great. I, it, like it's that's a great story, and um, it's possible Franchi could have the maybe Franchi same... could go on the um, Mask Singer career version. Like, but just just go hit sixty home Marcus runs a year. Texas. Just go do it. It'll be it'd be awesome. Um, uh, I understand that's not something everyone wants to do, but if you're asking me what's best for his career, that's what's best for his career. Maybe. <laughs> Far be for me to say that the best thing for somebody's career is to go to another country that um, I'm just going to assume. I didn't say go to Dead North wrong Korea. about Franchi. Well, definitely don't go to North Korea. I feel pretty safe saying that that's not yeah. the best thing for his career. Um, but I'm going to assume Franchi Cordero does not speak Korean. Um, and so that might be a difficult transition. Um, but you did bring up the other part of that trade earlier with um, Andrew Benintendi, who was also struggling. Last I checked, he was not struggling quite as badly as Cordero, but he was uh, not good. The Royals are the best team in baseball by record right now, and they're doing that with Andrew Benintendi uh, hitting, let's see, he's hitting 227, 293, 307. Um, so, I mean, both of these guys are struggling out of the gate, so for as bad as Cordero is doing, and obviously Cordero is not the only part of that deal, but I think he was, um, if not the best player, at least the most high profile one. Um, are you still kind of where you were on the day of that deal um, right now? Yeah, absolutely. This seems like a deal where the name, or at least one name, but maybe both the names were pretty big, big enough, drew some attention. Um, and then the further you get from it, you're like, well, it's traded stuff that wasn't very good for stuff that wasn't very good. Um, and you don't know that that's how it's going to work out at the time, but at least in the short term, uh, it would not surprise me. I, I, I mean, Benintendi, I, I, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. Um, and I would say that I probably would still uh, 
say I had higher up uh, higher confidence in at least the batting of Franchi than Benintendi on some sort of long-term basis. However, the baseline against which we'd be judging this is not very high. Um, so again, it just, this getting back to the people aspect of this, um, you know, especially with Benintendi, this is just, these things happen and not, you can't always make a chicken salad out of chicken shit. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can just make, I don't know, like one little chicken salad slider and that you can't get a whole meal out of it. That's not very satisfying at all. No, it's not very satisfying at all, but you did what you could with what you had. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, I think I agree with most of that. I would still probably take Benintendi long-term over Cordero, um, even if we're just looking offensively. But like you said, I don't think that's... I mean, it's looking like that might not even really be that big of a distinction. It might just kind of be what kind of fourth outfielder do you like better, Um, which is I'm not ready to totally go there with either of those guys, especially not with Benintendi, but... um, Oh, I am. But I think that's... It's good for him to be. I, I, no, you, it it doesn't sound good to say you're a fourth outfielder, but um, he doesn't. The good thing about leaving the Red Sox is he's no longer pegged to his draft position, and he can just be something. Uh, if the rest of the team wasn't so good that he was on right now, um, he might be something else. But he's not destroying them and he made a nice catch recently which i saw on twitter so good for him um but it's not like the red sox you know both teams are doing well for it so you know they're everybody's everybody's winning that's the strange part of it all it's not as bad as these guys are uh they're these two teams are probably two of the three or so biggest surprises in baseball so uh baseball is weird all right one last uh one last franchi question here before we move on to the next guy that everybody's complaining about um i know you don't know the answer to this but i am curious what you think cordero's role is going to be at the end of the year um yeah do with that what you will pinch hitter i mean i think that's you you think that that's a hard question but i think that's actually pretty easy uh that's he seems if he gets replaced which i think your question implies he would be um, not necessarily, but it leads in that direction. Well, that's an option for sure. Um, I think he would be spot starter in September and pinch hitter and, uh, you know, God willing, uh, sorry, Aceves willing in October. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that's probably most likely, um, but I really wouldn't be surprised if he's just not on the active roster. Um, oh yeah, I mean that that that's probably the the even money favorite. Uh, I was sort of assuming that. Well, I mean, there's expanded rosters in September, but it's only it's not what it used to be. It's only twenty eight guys now, so you only get to add two guys. Um, and in today's baseball, presumably, that just means two pitchers, or maybe you're adding a third catcher or whatever. 
Um, but the th- I mean, Duran. Well, that's actually big for top. him because, uh, well, no, Franchi's a uh, a righty, so no, Franchi's a lefty. Oh, he's a lefty. Okay, good. Sorry, I forgot. He's not impressed me. Well, that would I mean, the 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 smaller rosters then help because he would be on Cassis' watch, but he might not be if uh, if they're squeezed for their September call up uh, numbers. I think if Cassis is up, it's before September. Um, I don't think they would just call him up for September as like pinch hitting. Um, but with Cordero, I mean, I think it's. I think there's no question that Duran is up at some point. I mean, that just seems like a given. Um, but even then, at that point, you could feasibly... I mean, I'm hoping at some point they go to a four-man bench. Um, I really hate the three-man bench for a lot of reasons. Um, but you could go with Duran in left field um, or right field or center field, wherever you want to put him, um, and then do a platoon with Renfro and Cordero. And Renfro, by the way, has also been pretty terrible uh, for most of this year. Uh, you could do some sort of platoon action there that could make sense. Uh, but I think somebody else will come up too, whether that be Michael Chavis, whether that be Danny Santana, whether that be Yairo Munoz, maybe Jeter Downs, maybe Tristan Casas if he goes nuts. Um, I just think Duran is a given, and there will be one other player. Maybe it's a trade at deadline acquisition. Maybe they're so fed up with Cordero and Renfro at the deadline that they trade for... I don't know who's out there. Starling Marte, um, off the top of my head. Um, I just think there's enough. I don't know exactly what the scenario is going to be, but I think there's enough scenarios, and I'm down enough on Cordero that I think he's not on the active roster uh, at the end of the season when the Red Sox are winning their 117th game on the final day. Downs. 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 Bring up Downs. Yeah, I figured Downs would be your guy. I mean, he's probably... I don't know about the most likely, but he's, I mean, he's definitely on that timeline. Um, just you only have so many well, roster spaces. Just to conceptualize it for people, like Downs reminds me a lot of Taylor Trammell, who's having, I think, still having a pretty good, uh, you know, rookie month here. And um, that he's a prospect who got traded a bunch of times and so the shine sort of came off them for no real thing that they did i mean they had uh, tramel had a, a couple bumps but downs is good like that's i i would it would it doesn't feel to me like if they brought him up it would be pushing in any way uh, i don't think so it, either i think it's mostly just um especially with the way krishna arroyo has been like a superstar this season um it's really just more about the roster space but somebody will get hurt um and probably make that conversation a little bit earlier. But in terms of like pure timeline, yeah, I think um, sometime in the second half would be when Downs would be ready. Um, and I mean, as far as his perception and sort of the shine wearing off, I think most of that for Downs specifically is just he didn't get to play last year. I, he got he was Verdugo's the guy now, but Downs was the big piece coming back in that Mookie trade, um, and then he didn't get to do anything. For the next year, I mean, he was at the alternate site, but the, unless you were Jaron Duran just going buck wild, you didn't really make much of an impact there. So, um, I think more than anything, just him getting back on the field and um, hopefully hitting well in Worcester will get some of that shine back on. Um, and I do think we'll see him at some point this year. Um, just I don't know if it's it'll be permanent just yet, just because of people in front of him on the depth chart. Well, 
if Jake's lingering aura doesn't bring him down in Worcester, Jake is from Worcester, <laughs> folks. Then he then he's got no problem with the Red Sox. I forgot Jake was over there. Um, that's all right. I'll give uh, I'll give Tristan Costas some of my some of my aura in Portland. I don't think he wants any of that. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Uh, let's go to the other guy um, who people are mad at. And, um... Yeah, I really don't feel good about having him on this agenda. We're talking about Garrett Richards, who, as we speak, um, is getting the start in Queens. Um, so for all I know, he's going to strike out 10 um, in like seven shutout innings today and make this whole segment look dumb. Um, but that is not how he's pitched this year. Uh, Garrett Richards has very much been the worst pitcher on the Red Sox so far this season. Um, he has a 6-4-8 ERA. He has more walks than strikeouts. He is walking seven batters per nine innings. Um, it is just the command has been a disaster, and this is sort of something that's um, something that's lingered since spring training. So I guess starting off the same way we started with Cordero, how concerned are you about Garrett Richards in this? I mean, it's only a few starts, but it's like we've said, it's we're almost done with April, and at a certain point. The season's underway, and you got to stop just saying it's early. Not that they're necessarily there yet, but... This one is well within, like Cordero, the realm of uh, possibility and even expectations. But I was not expecting it to be this bad. And I think there's a chance that he... I think there's a better chance that he pulls out of it than Cordero, frankly. Um, but I also think that he is on pretty thin ice and that given how well his stuff theoretically plays in the bullpen, uh, he's got to turn it around uh, quickly as, as soon as when we are talking. Yeah, I mean, the good news is he's thrown a shutout inning in the time since we have started this podcast 70 percent um, of his pitches were strikes there we go see things are going up for uh garrett richards i always call him garrett woodlock he wishes he was garrett woodlock right now um no yeah i mean i think you're right i think i mean frankly if it was up to me he would probably be in the bullpen right now because i've kind of thought that that would be the better role anyways i had him as my disappointment on the season and like i was saying earlier we're kind of in confirmation bias land right now so um 
just in this theoretical world where we're dealing with video game characters and not human beings, I would probably put him in the bullpen, but obviously you can't just do that to a veteran like Richards. And frankly, I don't I don't want to act like I know Garrett Richards is the human being, but the way he talks after these starts and kind of gets annoyed with criticism and kind of, um, I don't know that he papers over stuff, but he sort of papers over his mistakes and um, says, oh, I, he's the kind of guy that really um, doesn't, he's the anti-Chris Sale, I guess, where Chris Sale finds the problems with every one of his starts. Garrett Richards kind of does the opposite. Um I don't know that he would love getting put in the bullpen this early, and I don't think it's going to happen either way. But I do, I do think that's where he ends up, especially if Tanner Houck shoves to start the year in Worcester. Um, but what's uh, what's the earliest? Like if he doesn't, if he's pitching generally like this, not necessarily the exact same numbers, but same same vibes going forward. How many more of these starts? Do you not? Would you give him? Do you think the Red Sox would give him uh, before making a change, whether it be probably a switch to the bullpen, maybe like some sort of phantom Ielston would come first? But um, I mean, how how much longer do you do they give this guy? Well, first, just let you know, I was wondering if he was from California because I could accuse him of having a California attitude, and I think it was just in my head because the Angels. He's not. He's from Oklahoma. He's from the same town as Shannon Miller, who won the uh, gold medals at the 92 and 96. Oh, sorry. Just the 96 Olympics. She won bronze and silver. So I'm learning a lot about Oklahoma right now. But I don't think. Yes. uh, I think that he's probably got. uh, I don't know. It's always longer than I think. Yeah. I would say he's probably got three more starts um, at the least. And then it depends on how they go, uh, if if there's competence exhibited. Um, because I made the David Ortiz crack with Franchi, but that is obviously, obviously an aberration. With pitchers, less so. Pitchers can have really bad months and then have good months. So I do think that they'll give him a chance, but I would say, let's say May, you know, whatever happens before May 15th um, could, that would, that would be a day that I would expect things to happen. Even if I think I largely agree with you that his best place right now would be in the bullpen. Just switch the Garrett's honestly, just trade them. Um, I don't think you can put Willock in the rotation. Of Of course you can't, of course you can't, but I think he would do well. I just don't think he could handle the full season of starting. Right. Um, so. I mean, especially... I think. Oh, go ahead. I just, he should just. I know you can't just tell Franchi to be good and he'll be good. But I feel like with Richards, you can be like, just, just be good. Just be good. <laughs> don't be bad. Just be good. I'm sorry to say this is going to be Brian's last week on the show. Um, he's getting inquiries about uh, pitching coaching jobs all around baseball right now. Everywhere. Uh, <laughs> everywhere. Um, no, I mean, I think I think you're probably a little too early, to be honest. Um, I would say Memorial Day would be the earliest I could see anything happening. And that, I think, would be a phantom 
IL stint where they let him sit out a turn through the rotation. Um, clear his head a little bit, maybe get a rehab start against some AAA batters and then go back to it. Um, but I don't think they would put him in the bullpen. I don't know. Middle of June would be the absolute earliest I could see that. Um, I know they're kind of doing the urgency thing a little bit this year, but just Richards is a veteran. They gave him that contract. It's just hard to make that move in the first six weeks or so of the season. Um, and also, if he stays healthy, the rest of the rotation probably isn't. Like, I don't think all five guys are going to stay healthy the whole time. So, um, theoretically, yeah, Tanner Howe could take a spot. But then if somebody gets hurt, then and now we're talking about, I don't know, Matt Andreese or Connor Seabold or somebody else taking a spot, which may still be more desirable, but it's not quite the same cachet as it would be with Tanner Houck. So um, I think we're kind of stuck with Richards in the rotation. And I say stuck as he is, I mean, I'm watching him out of the corner of my eye right now. He's I'm watching nasty them. until he just gave up a home run uh, as yeah. I was saying that sentence. So, you know, that is, that is the way things go. Well, I was going to talk about how good he's being. I haven't seen the home run yet. So uh, yeah, I'm a little ahead of you. He's about to give up a home run to Jeff McNeil. Uh, Let's go, Jeff. Jeff. That's it. Um, but yeah, so I think, um, I think we're probably, I think you've, you've convinced me, else. you've convinced me, uh, that I was early that what I do said. think he will be in the bullpen by the end of the year. Um, do you agree with that? I mean, I hope he is. I feel like that's, yeah. I feel like that's obviously what will end up being best for the team. So that's probably the best do. case scenario because it's probably either that or on the injured list. Um, so I would hope for the bullpen, just for his sake. All right. Um, one last thing before we get into the listener questions, and that is uh, something that I'm extremely excited about. Um, I didn't know I was this excited about it until it started getting close, but the minor league season starts next week. Uh, by the time you hear us next week, there will already have been one day of games in the books. They start on May 4th, um, all four full season levels. Uh, I am extremely excited about this. Um, we're not going to spend too, too much time on this because, A, we have a prospect podcast. It is called Red Sox on Deck, and they release episodes every Friday. Um, and also, Jake had ian cundle from Sox prospects on the red seat yesterday and they obviously covered a lot of prospect stuff because ian uh, that is what ian does Ian is one of the best at that so we won't spend a ton of time on the minor league stuff but i am super excited about the schedule so i want to talk about it a little bit and i want to talk about a couple of the guys that i think are pretty obviously well pretty obviously the two most buzzy names in the system and that starts with jaron duran i mean this is Jaron Duran season. Everybody is all about Jaron Duran. How, I mean, is he going to get that much time in Worcester? These, how much, how much time do you really see him playing in Worcester before he gets called up? It's, uh, uh, it's, it's really tough to say because in judging all these call up, uh, cases across the league you know this is all new everything is new that the season hasn't started yet um also that i think that some teams perhaps in seattle uh, are very careful 
to make sure that their players are seen to be playing minor league baseball before they are called up so lawsuits can't go forward about why they weren't up sooner. Um, I generally think that the Red Sox, with respect to Duran specifically, especially given his spring training usage, uh, that the minor league season kind of doesn't even matter at all, which leads me to believe that it would be like, I don't know, two, three weeks um, if they needed him. And if they didn't, it could be a lot longer. But I don't think that they are looking to keep him in the minors for a set amount of time. That's not my suspicion, at least. No, I think uh, I think I'm right there with you. And I think if, I mean, knock on wood, if Alex Verdugo were to go down with some sort of six-week injury or something like that, um, tomorrow I think Duran would come up because I don't think they want Danny Santana, whoever else, to come up and fill that everyday role. I think they want Duran to do that. But at the same time, I don't think Duran's going to be the guy to replace Cordero, at least not right away, because I don't think they want him playing on the bench and Cordero hasn't really been an everyday guy. He's been sort of an every-other-day guy. Um, so I think it's really just about when those consistent at-bats open up. And then, um, I mean, I fully expect Jaron Duran to just destroy things in Worcester because that's just what he's been doing against non-major league pitching for ever, basically, now since he's been with the Red Sox. Um, so I think he'll kind of force his way up either way within probably about six weeks. Um, but if I think if there's clear everyday playing time that opens up before that with an injury to probably Verdugo would be the only other one. Maybe Kike Hernandez can make that happen. Um, but somebody like that goes down, I could see him coming up. But other than that, I think it's going to be, he's going to have to force his way up, not because of service time, but because I think rightfully they would want to get him some at-bats. Um, I do think it's interesting that in some of these sim games, um, they the alternate site at Worcester has been playing some games against the Mets alternate site players. Um, Jan Duran's playing some left field, which is interesting, and it's bringing back um, some Jacoby Ellsbury memories. But um, I think if you're looking for a sign that he's going to be up sooner than later, it's probably that he's been playing left field, because obviously that is where Franchi Cordero plays. Um, yeah, I, I don't read a ton into it specifically because the Red Sox very clearly with their outfielders like and all their fielders like to have them playing multiple positions. But uh, one thing I did want to clarify is you said Ian Cundell was always a great guy to have on. I don't know, man. Jake and Ian, I'm in a league with both those guys and I'm not going to say good things about them in that context. <laughs> Ian, Ian is... Those guys are tough as nails to trade with. Both those guys, I'll tell you that much. But in terms of actual baseball, yeah, great. Great guys, sure. Um, well, that's that's as ringing of an endorsement as one could possibly get. From me? Probably, yeah. A <laughs> um, little bit of breaking news that will not be breaking news for anybody listening to this. Uh, but breaking news for you, uh, Bobby Dalbeck just hit his first home run of the season. So that is, that is nice to see. You mean um, my rookie of the year pick? I mean, your rookie of the year pick finally hit his first home run of the season. Um, he beat Andrew Vaughn. <laughs> beat Franchi Cordero, too. Um, but speaking of Dahlbeck, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, but I guess we can go 
maybe not super deep, but a little deep. Uh, the first baseman of the future, at least if things go according to plan, is Tristan Casas. Um, presumably, Casas is going to start up in my neck of the woods uh, with the Sea Dogs this season. Uh, number obviously number one prospect in the system by most accounts. Some people have Jeter Downs ahead of him still, but um, those people are the minority at this point, and that minority is only growing smaller. Um, but with Casas starting in Portland, there's a little bit of a chance, at least, that he's going to end the season in the majors or at least get some major league time this year. So, um, I mean, I hate putting questions this way, but I don't really know how else to ask it. I mean, is there a percentage chance or even just like a ballpark estimate that you think Casas actually gets called up this year? Yeah, I think it's like a 25% chance. Honestly. It's pretty high. Yeah, I I, thought I don't was... think that's wrong. I mean, I think that's probably around where I would have. I might have said twenty. I I I I don't think the chances are that good. Um, but I definitely, this is where you get into the 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 business of baseball aspects because if I do, I think that by September he would be a productive major of the Red Sox. I think he would be, but I don't think that's it. I mean, I know that's not entirely what matters. Um, and it's also puts uh, not just a clock on his uh, service time, but a clock on development and how you measure it and all that stuff. And you want to put him in good spaces to succeed. So I, I think that by all those measurements, I don't, I'm increasingly pessimistic that we'd see him this year at all. However, well, I'll it, give. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was, I was saying that for you. Well, okay. So, not to be a capital D defender of the Boston Red Sox as an organization, um, they've been pretty good in recent history at calling guys up when they're ready and not really doing the service time thing. I mean, they did it with Devers and Benintendi, I think. Most yeah, who? Who is they in the in that instance though? I don't think I don't think um that's I mean it was Charrington for Devers, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean was that as as I wrote in my column calling John Henry a big butt, um <laughs> the one thing the one thing is true is the Red Sox GMs have generally been very good. Um and though and this this speaks to your point, not against it. Even though I was like, oh, who was it? You know, it wasn't Chaim Bloom um, and Dombrowski called up Devers, I believe. But those were the right, I mean, especially Devers, that was the right thing to do. And that one was. Uh, I think Benintendi was too. Yeah, but I think that Ben, I mean, Benintendi was for a hot second, the number one prospect in baseball. There was a, I don't with Devers, I think the general consensus the day he came up, like the and until the moment he came up, was like he's too young, he can't possibly do this. Which, when you're the number one prospect in baseball, is sort of and sort of not as much of an issue. Um, so it would be you're you're right that it would fit a pattern um, if he was called up to contribute, um, and I think he would contribute. I just also. 
Um, I mean, we'll see. There's going to be a minor league season, so we get to see him play. Well, that's so that's, that's nice. good. And I get to see him play in my backyard, which is, um, well, hopefully I'll be able to get out there soon. Um, but, I mean, I think the path is pretty clear, and that's not, I mean, I, like I said, I think that 25% mark you put out there is not unreasonable, and it is, all things considered, I mean, even having a 25% chance, given where he is and his trajectory as a baseball player i mean he just turned 21 in january um he's barely played at buffalo way and 25 percent is not ridiculous i think it's probably a little bit lower but i think if the red sox stay good um like within spinning distance of the playoffs and not selling and actually playing meaningful meaningful games into august and if bobby dalbeck um home run tonight notwithstanding continues to struggle a little bit um doesn't really do what we want to see him do at the plate and they see a little bit of a chance to upgrade at first base and tristan casas is killing it in portland and he gets called up to worcester and say july and he keeps killing it there um that's the time where i think they would say let's just bring him up and see what happens and see if he can kind of add this extra spark and try to get us into the playoffs um i think the chances of all those things happening are probably in the teens percentage wise if you want to go on the high end of it but i think it's a certainly a non-zero chance and it's not out of the realm of possibility i think i think if you asked somebody like ian cundell and full disclosure i didn't get a chance to listen to the podcast and i think they talked about this i don't know what he said but i'm assuming um most people smarter than me would say it's not going to happen but um i don't know i'm sort of talking myself I've been sort of talking myself into it for the last few months, and I think by the time I get to July, I'm just going to be full blown expecting it at this point. Well, the one the one sense where it makes perfect uh, sense, and you just said it as is a one to one replacement for Dahlbeck if it just go, it goes wrong, and and that uh, or but Dahlbeck gets hurt or something like that, and they then, have to be contending. I don't think they would do it if it was just right. Exactly. Else. All if all those things fell through, you, I mean, I can see that happening immediately. And then Dahlbeck getting Shea Hillenbrand out of here. But um, uh, I'm with you. Uh, we'll see. I, I, I do think that if we see him his, this year, it's a good sign for the Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's no, there's really no way that it happens. And it's like a bummer. <laughs> it's just, it's just not how it's going to go. Shea Hillenbrand, by the way, is like a, um, like a life coach slash real estate guy in Arizona now. So I found his Instagram a couple of years ago. He's living a very interesting life. Um, do you have any minor league teams near you? you uh, Brooklyn, is that still a team or did they get a... No, Brooklyn is there. Brooklyn is there. Um, I think the Staten Island Yankees might have gotten pulled. Uh, the Yard Goats are a couple hours away. There's some teams in North Jersey... I went. I went to see one a while, uh, many like twenty years ago now. Um, uh, and then there's one in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Anyhow, that's very exciting for everybody. I was just curious. I love minor league games. Um, much, I really want to take my daughter. I really want to go take my daughter to a yard goats game, and she's six, so she's almost ready for a two-hour car ride. Oh yeah, I was gonna say that's a good age, but the car ride is probably. She could do. She could do it now. She and all yeah. as long as she's getting, uh, as long as I'm like you're getting the, the 
the popcorn and the hot dog and whatnot should be fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's uh, let's do some listener questions here before we wrap this thing up. Uh, Jake asks, where does Verdugo, Xander, JD, and Devers rank among MLB quartets offensively? Um, they say it feels like it has to be up there, and I agree. And I don't know off the top of my head who would be in that conversation. I think there's definitely teams. I mean, the Braves have Acuna, Freeman, Ozuna, and I guess you throw Albies in there to finish that off. I mean, that's up there with anybody. Um, The Yankees have Judge and Stanton and LeMayhew and I don't know. The the Dodgers have some good players. The Dodgers, I hear, are pretty good. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think the spirit of the question that well the thing about the Dodgers is they have like nine guys that you can yeah in this conversation. the Padres have some good some good guys too um did, even though no, I, I have... the uh yeah yeah it's about it it's about as good as of a of as a quartet as there is I think I'd take the Braves over there yes I would for sure yeah um other than that, I mean, I think there are other teams. Like, I don't think they're clearly ahead of a lot of these other teams. Yankees, Dodgers, Padres. Astros are probably still in that conversation. The Believers, They're ahead of the Yankees. Um, they're ahead of the Yankees. Easy. Man, I guess I'm just too afraid to really shut the door on the Yankees or anything. Who um, is the Yankees? It's the fourth guy, I think, is the... I mean, LeMahieu Stanton Judge is awesome. And then... I mean, there's a good, like weirdly good. Torres. There's a good argument that JD and Xander are better, are both better than Judge as a hitter. And I love Aaron Judge. I am not in any way saying he's not amazing. Now he's probably better than Xander, but I don't think he's better hitter than JD when they're both at their best. Actually, they're about the same because they're about as good as you fucking get. But the point is, um. Stanton is not on their level. Um, I don't think at all. I don't think Stanton is on Devers's level, frankly. But you must hate Devers. You know what am I going to say? That's yeah. That's clearly my mo. Um, that him. and that that and Matt Barnes hate them both. Yes, Those are, these are the people that I truly despise and wish would not be on the Red Sox. Um, yeah, maybe you're right. Um, I'm going to stick. I think they're pretty close. I mean, I don't know that I would definitively take one over the other, I guess. In terms of I would definitively that. take the top four Red Sox hitters over the Yankees. Definitively. Just because we know, I mean, now that we know JD's back, uh, it's, uh, and the Yankees, they're, they're clowns. And Glaber is terrible That's now. A good point. It would, you would, the thing is, you would have said Glaber a month ago and you wouldn't say it now. Yeah, I mean, I honestly would probably put Urshela as their fourth hitter, which is wild for a few different reasons. Um, or I guess I'd probably say Luke Voigt, to be honest, even though he hasn't played. Oh, yes, game. that's a very good point. Yep. Whenever he comes back. All right. Um, probably should have done more research for that question, but we did not. Uh, let's see. Sorry, guy has a question about Franchi Cordero. I think we covered Franchi Cordero. Um, Jordan Allen asks... Do you prefer Garrett Richards or Peyton Pritchard? Uh, Brian, you are not a basketball guy. 
So I don't even know if you know who Peyton Pritchard is. Do you? I'm glad you mentioned that because now that you said that, I'm like, oh, he is a basketball player. I've heard that. That's why I've heard that name. He is um, a uh, player I'm on the t- Celtics. I'm a top shot guy. Should I get his top shot? I haven't watched a Celtics game in like six weeks. Um, so I'm confused by Peyton Pritchard's um, inclusion here because the last time I watched a Celtics game, Pritchard was awesome. Um, and he was like one of the most exciting players on the team. So I don't really know what's going on there. Uh, sorry, Jordan. Uh, but Jordan does have one other question. Um, and I did not put it in the agenda. I'm just noticing because I put the same question twice by accident. So you can be blindsided by this one. But I think I think it's pretty easy. And I'm curious to know this about you. Uh, cool Ranch or Nacho Cheese Doritos? Oh, man. Um, I didn't think it was going to be this tough. Well, there's context that I feel like you don't want me to use. Um, yeah, probably not. And I think I know where you're going with that. Uh, okay, I mean, I have to say nacho cheese because I get the Trader Joe's version of nacho cheese. They don't sell the Trader Joe's version of Cool Ranch. But um, when I was a kid, teenager, there's nothing... I remember on the first day of football every year and only that day I would make a cheese dip and do cool ranch in the cheese dip. And like, if I did it now, I'd have a heart attack in fucking five minutes. Um, and I knew it at the time, at the time I didn't feel that sort of thing, but even I was like, this is not good for me. Um, I probably like, okay. Yeah. I'm going to go with nacho cheese. What are you going to say? I'm a cool ranch guy all the way. I uh, fair. I, I, I respect, I like, I respect you. I respect you. Love, love cool ranch. I will say, um, growing up, we used to eat uh, taco salad a lot. One of my favorite meals growing up. Um, and this is going to be a very, uh, suburban white family anecdote, but I mean, I guess that's who I I'm am. here for um, it. <laughs> we taco salad in my house included uh, crushed up, our nacho cheese Doritos on top instead of like croutons. We used uh, crushed up Doritos and I got to tell you, it is fantastic. And uh, to this day, I still eat it fairly often. Uh, so that is you... my, that is where I eat my nacho cheese Doritos. That's fair. Yeah. I just, uh, I can't remember the last time I bought cool ranch. Even, like in theory, cool ranch would be my be favorite, but in practice it'd be nacho cheese. All right, that's enough Dorito talk, and I think that's enough. Uh, I think that's enough talk in general for us today. So we're gonna wrap things up now. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, please leave us a review if applicable. Uh, give us a five star rating. Recommend us to all of your friends, all of your family, um, any strangers you might run into on the street. Uh, please follow us on Twitter. I run the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. Uh, Brian is at Brian Joiner. Brian with a Y, Joiner with an I. Um, you can find all of our writing at OverTheMonster.com. And that is going to do it. We'll be back with you next week.